thanking thee for your presence with us this day, thanking for your Holy Spirit who is the comforter and uh, he will guide us into all things and he will comfort and strengthen our hearts. We thank you for this promise. We pray a blessing now upon the word that uh, you've given to us. We thank you for the word we heard this morning. We pray that we may all apply it to our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I have uh, sort of committed to a very short sermon today, if you can believe me. Um, and I'd like to read from uh, Isaiah chapter 61. Let's read from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim in the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Many of you, if not most, if not all, would recognize this Scripture is what Jesus read in Nazareth when he went back home to his hometown. In Luke chapter 4, he opened up the scriptures in the synagogue as was given the custom to, to rabbis to read the word. And he opened up to this. And um, it was meant to be uh, an exhortation of the good news that God had for his people. But instead, the leaders of the synagogue and the Jews took offense because this was a messianic, this was a messianic scripture that Isaiah, which I believe is like the, the John of the Old Testament, the Gospel of John of the Old Testament, he was the evangelist. He preached the good news the good news that there would be a Messiah coming. Um, he spoke of the good news of a new kingdom. He's speaking here of the, the, the reign of Christ, or the office of Christ in new, the New Testament, the new covenant, if you will. And even though there was marvelous and wonderful news of salvation, and of this Messiah that was not only able to save them from their sins, but also able to comfort and strengthen them in their times of difficulty and oppression. Uh, if you go back uh, eight chapters, you'll see a much more grim picture where this Messiah was to be slain, was to be delivered, was to be crucified, was to be buried but gloriously he would be resurrected. 
So we see that in any good news, there could be also sad news. In any proclamation of the gospel, it's not just having things that are pleasant and nice and, and so forth. But there's a cost that is incurred in our redemption. And that cost is the, the blood of Christ, his life, which he gave freely of himself to die on the cross. But there's also the cost of being a disciple. We, as we sing in hymn number 90, in the Zion's heart, we have not been promised a path of roses. We're not promised a path of roses because God has not chosen that way for us to not only um, save us, but to sanctify us and to make us more and more like Christ, to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And this we see in the book of Romans chapter 8, we see this in James chapter 1, our, our fiery trial, the difficulties of life, the, the, the many sadnesses and, 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 and the mourning that we go through, the lamenting that we may go through. It's all to work for the good to them that love Christ. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon the Messiah because the Lord anointed him. That's what Messiah means. Messiah means the anointed one. God anointed him. Kings are anointed. Priests are anointed. Jesus Christ was not only prophet, he was priest and king. Go to Psalm 110. You will see how he talks about there his, his office and how he was... Um, uh, one day, everything was going to be subjected unto him, under his feet uh, when that day finally came. But in the, in the meantime, he had the work of the Lord. He had to do his father's business. And in doing so, <clears throat> he said he came to preach good tidings, to preach the gospel to the meek. He preached to all. But it was the meek that received it. It was those that were act actually mourning within that were grieving over their spiritual state, that were grieving over their sin, as we read in Matthew chapter 5, that this took effect in. It became effectual. And then he said, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Again, he says in chapter, I think it was um, Psalm 51, who does God receive? Who does God accept? And also in the, I think it's the very last chapter or second to last chapter of Isaiah. The same wording. Who does God accept? Who does he receive? He says, this man will I accept. He that is of a broken heart, a broken and contrite spirit, he will not despise. He will accept. So as the gospel goes to all, as the seed is spread to all, Matthew 13, the seed that lands in the good ground, in the receptive ground, in the, the humble heart, in the teachable heart, in the meek, it will be effective and effectual. 
And so he's, he, he will bind up the broken. Like a, a shepherd may find a, a sheep that has gone astray and, and injured himself badly in the field. He'll take him, he'll bind him, bind up his wounds, wounds and take him home rejoicing on his shoulders. This is the good shepherd. And he was the one, in order for him to really identify with mankind, it says he didn't take upon himself the nature of angels. In other words, he didn't come here like an angel, a spirit that couldn't be touched with the infirmities of the flesh. Angels don't have flesh. They don't have bones. But he took upon himself flesh and blood so he could feel, so he could taste, so he could smell, so he can, so he can uh, hear, so he can see the plight of man, the predicament of man, and identify with it. And in so doing, he could become a high priest and intercede for us, it says. He's the paraclete um, in 1 John chapter 2. He's the propitiator, the advocate. Same word, paraclete, as used for the Holy Spirit, is used for the advocate in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. He can go before the Father and he can say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive him. I shed my blood for him. He could take the blood of his sacrifice and bring it before the Father. He said, I shed my blood for him. And he's not the propitiation for us only, it says, but for the propitiation for the whole world. So he could, he could in this way, he could bind up the brokenhearted. Those that have realized that there's nothing else that they can do for themselves to make themselves right with God, but only through the blood of Christ. And then to proclaim liberty to the captives. We have all different forms of captivity. We could be captive to our sin. We could be captive to our fears. We could be captive to an unforgiving heart. We could be captive to our possessions. We become slaves to them. So when Jesus frees us, when he liberates us, he gives us the truth about every facet of our lives and makes us see that we are in fact in bondage. We may think we're not because we have money, we have possessions, we have friends, we have uh, all amount of uh, all, all kinds of accessibility to things, but in fact we're captive to it. To our debts, financial debts, to our moral obligations. And it says here that he will give freedom. He'll open the, the doors of the prison to them that are bound in sin. Because he's come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There was a time when Christ would come and it will be the acceptable year unto God for him to set foot on this earth. Though prophesied from the garden in, in I believe it was chapter 4, all the way to here. It says, in due time, 
He was born of a woman. And he came into this world through the agency of the Holy Spirit. And now God has preached this to be an acceptable year when he would come. And even when he was on the earth, he said to his mother and maybe one or two other places, he said, my time is not yet come. The time. And he, he narrows it down. He says, the hour is not yet You know, when he talked to the Samaritan woman, the hour cometh when men shall not sacrifice in this mountain or that mountain, but all that that worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. And that hour was when he was on the cross. When he died in the veil of the temple ripped from top to bottom, he then became that acceptable sacrifice and the hour was brought in and freedom was given to the captive for those that accepted his sacrifice and he's here to comfort all those that mourn go back to Matthew chapter 5 blessed are they the more they that mourn for they shall be comforted mourn over our sin mourn over our helplessness mourn over our hopelessness and realize there's something outside of us that God has provided to make us acceptable, acceptable to him because it was the acceptable year. And then he said, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes. I just love that term, beauty for ashes. Because the sign of mourning to the Jew when they mourned over something when they grieved over something they would put on sackcloth a very crude covering they would rend their garments and they'd cover themselves with ashes symbolic of where they think they've come where they believe they've come and it was a sign of mourning. Woe is me, lamenting, weeping over their state, over the dilemma that they're in, that they've come to. They don't know where to turn anymore. And that's when God can use us. When we've come to that point, maybe, you know, it says, uh, the, the prodigal son came to himself when he hit rock bottom. God says, rend your hearts and not your garments. Because that could become very, what do you call it, mundane. Very repetitive. Where you go through the motions of ripping your garment. But what about the heart? God wants, if your heart has not been broken, he wants that heart to be ripped. He wants that heart to be wrenched to the point, say, take my heart. It's full of iniquity. There's nothing that is more deceitful than the heart. For the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Sometimes we don't even know our own hearts. And that's why we need to have the searcher to search us and to see if there's any wicked way in me, as David said. Try me. And then he said, 
and I will replace your ashes with beauty. I will replace your ashes with beauty. And I will give you the oil of joy. The anointing will be joyful for you. Anointing was used for healing. Whether Jesus anointed the eyes of the blind man or whether he, the, the priests were to anoint individuals for healing, whether the elder would come to the, to the, the church member that would ask for the elders to come and pray over him, anointing their head with oil and praying a prayer. I'll replace all of that and I'll gi- I will give you the garment of praise. You'll be singing. We will be singing. I know it's, it can be very cliche. Don't worry, God's going to fix everything. God will, will fix everything in his time, in his way. Until then, it may not be easy. Many times I pray. Lord, if you will not heal, give grace to endure. Give grace to endure until this person or that person or I am through, come through that trial. Because God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. It's not cliche. Not everyone goes through the same path. Not everyone goes through the same suffering and through the same dealings. I don't know what this brother or this sister is going through or this friend is going through. But what I know, I do know is that God wants me to pray for them. God wants me to comfort them. I got an email, not an email, I got a text yesterday from someone that said, please, please pray for me now that Jesus will, will strengthen me, will give me faith. And I just thought of a few verses from the scripture, John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. You know, if, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, knows all things. God knows you before you come to him. And the response was, Thank you so much for that scripture. It's like water in the desert. God will replace your garments, my garments, with a garment of praise. Why? Because we can, we, we can feel his presence, we can feel his nearness, and we will then praise him. Call upon me. In the day of trouble. I will hear you. And I will deliver you. And what? You can finish it off. 50-15. And you will glorify me. We will praise him for what he has done. Just when it thinks... We think it's going down, it's coming back up. Just when we think it's going up, it's going back down. And God is working in us something that we don't understand. But 
The other side of the tapestry is a beautiful picture. We have to believe that. And he says, instead of the spirit of heaviness, I'll give you the spirit of praise. That they might be called the trees of righteousness. That the planting of the Lord, God planted these trees. God planted these trees. God planted you and me into his, into his body, into, into, the, into the true vine. God planted us. And what does that mean? We, as Sister Emma went through her life, the reason she went through and she was victorious because her roots were deep. Like the trees planted by the rivers of water. Psalm 1. I'm going to finish off on that. Blessed is the man that walketh not after the counsel of the ungodly, right? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in their season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. When our roots are deeply rooted in Christ, in God, in his word, we will be victorious and we will glorify him. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. That we've heard this day, to him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.